Hi, everyone. This is Sylvia Dixon, recording from Toledo, Ohio. And this is Jade Wanamaker, recording from Dallas, Texas. And welcome to our podcast, What Didn't Kill Me. Hi, everyone. I don't have any announcements. <laughs> what about you? Nope, not really. None. Nothing new. Been working. Wow. For the last couple of weeks, I guess, has been pretty boring. Other than that, we're getting ready for a big snowstorm here in Toledo. Yeah, same here in Texas. Texas? Snow? Does, yeah. Does this really exist? You're going to have to take no, pictures. It actually doesn't. Um, there is no snow in Texas. There is only ice. Ice? Yeah. Well, that just made it worse. Exactly. <laughs> and we have not enough trucks hmm. in the Dallas Metroplex area to take care of it all the time. Wonderful. Right? So About you- as helpful as the grid. so uh does everything like close if there's like three snowflakes in the area or something um sometimes (laughs) usually all right so i guess then we should just get on in wow all right we went from tons and tons of announcements to none we got them all out of the way (laughs) in the episode beforehand all right so i'm going to tell you a story and I think the episode from last week was Out of the Water and in the Air, I think. I think that's what we named it. So we're going from the water back to liquid. What? The title. Oh, okay. <laughs> or, no, we're going from, yeah, from, from the air. air to liquid. So uh, the three people I'm going to talk to you about today is a patrolman named Frank McManus and uh, Martin Clority. And a 12-year-old boy named Anthony DeSantos? DeSantos? Something like that, yeah. DeSantos? Yes. Okay, so it's uh, places in uh, Boston, Massachusetts. It's in the north end of Boston by the harbor, uh, Boston Harbor. And the date is January 15th, 1919. Okay. So we're going back a ways. About a hundred years ago. A little over a hundred years. Yeah. So do you know anything about time periods or anything of situations that go on or anything? So do you know like what was going on then? Uh, Prohibition, right? Very at least good. Prohibition. Up for it. Yes, that's exactly right. Prohibition is, is kicking off. It's already, uh, by January 1919, it has already... Several states have already started the prohibition. Boston has has not yet done it. But that is one of the big things. The other thing was that uh, World War I had just ended less than two months ago. Okay. So that's the time period we're in. So the place in Boston we're talking about, actually, there's an address. It's 529 Commercial Street. And the company that owns... That property at this time is the Priority Distilling Company, okay? They are under a parent company, and the parent company is the U.S. Industrial Alcohol Company, okay? Okay, that sounds fairly large. Yes, they are a very large, large company. So, the Purity Distilling Company, they're looking for a new place to put one of their holding containers. And uh, 
the container will be 50 feet high and 90 feet in diameter. For what you say? <laughs> I was going to say, okay, so that's that's large. That's yeah. huge. Yeah, that's it's it's big. It's like you can see it over houses and, and everything. They have some pictures where you can see it. I think I have one posted in our uh, show and tell. Oh, that's the announcement we have. We have our show and tell link up on our website. If you go where you see like uh, uh, Twitter and Facebook, there's also a tab there for Discord. And that will send you to our show and tell. And you will see some of the pictures of the stories we have talked about. Awesome. And, and there will be a couple for this story. Okay, so where was I? So what do you think they put in this very huge several story container? Round container. Well, I would assume originally it would be like alcohol. Yeah. Or like barley or mead or something. I don't, I'm not entirely aware of the distilling process, but I know that there's a lot of tubes and things. Well, this is before it becomes alcohol. And at this time, it was molasses. Oh. Yeah. Why molasses, you say? I knew that's why you were thinking, right? Why molasses? Yeah, why? Okay. So. It's a lot of molasses. How many trees? Well, they got most of their molasses from the Caribbean. Then ships would bring it up. Okay. That sounds expensive. You would think. So sugar at this time is really expensive, believe it or not. Yes. Okay. But molasses is super cheap. Really? Apparently so. (laughs) And okay. they use it for sweeteners, like for in candy and, of course, syrup and cookies and all kinds of, of baking things and needs. So instead of sugar, they put molasses in your, like, your tea or whatnot. Oh, well, take a drink. So, but the two main reasons that this company has molasses is for, of course, alcohol, which they use a lot for rum. And for World War One, this is something I did not know. Do you know why they would need it for World War One? No, I feel like I knew at one point, but I don't remember now. So, molasses can be turned into ethanol. Ethanol. Um, <laughs> on my note, it says ethanol equals boom boom sticks. Boom boom sticks. Oh. oh. <laughs> so dynamite bombs, some gun uh, gunpowder. And okay. So that was that was what it was mainly used for at this time. I didn't know about that. Neither did I. That was because I was like, why the heck is there so much molasses? You know. So yeah. Mm-hmm. And I didn't think about them using it for alcohol or so. It was, I understood the cooking, but the other stuff was a surprise for me. So they decided on Boston, on the north end of Boston, um, because it was a perfect spot and. I honestly say they, yeah, it was seemed like a very perfect spot. They had the Boston Harbor like right there next to them, okay. And okay. then on the other side, they had uh, Commercial Street, which was one of the busy wayfarers, I guess you could say. And above the street was the rail line. You know what I'm talking about, where they built the the structure above it. Mm-hmm. Okay, you get, you get what I'm saying. Like kind it's like of. a mon it's like a monorail, but instead of a monorail, it's an actual train. You know, it's it's built up off the ground. The oh, tra- I didn't. Tra- oh, the- okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. The tracks are built up off off the ground. So, and it's above 
Commercial Street. And the, the stop, one of the stops is literally right there next to uh, where they want to put this, this container. So it's perfect. Ships could come in from the Caribbean, unload, and then the next available time, they can put it on the train and it goes. It works with the flow. It, yeah. It's, like I said, it's a pretty much perfect, perfect spot. Now they do have this, the streets, but, um, this isn't a time of lots of cars. I, I don't know my history on car making. So I don't, I believe there were just a very few, but barely any in, in Boston at this time, at least that I could tell from these articles. So it's mainly horse and buggy. Okay. So lots of horses are out there. And uh, the community in which it'd be in, there's some warehouses and uh, there is a small community there. And and so they picked that spot. So it's built in 1915. So you're building this huge container and you're the head of this company, the smaller company. Who would you think would be picked to be in charge of seeing this container built? I would assume somebody who, like like an inspector or someone who knew the dimensions and were given instructions. Like an engineer or contractor? Yeah. Yeah. A contractor. Yeah. You're right. It was the treasury of the department. I'm sorry? <laughs> I'm joking. The, it, yeah. Okay. I was going to say the people who oversee the money handled Oh, it? no. I was Uh-oh. joking. I was joking about you were right. Um, It was the treasury of the 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 purity company distilling company oh. yeah the treasurer was in yeah, charge i bet that went well so i know i had the name of of the the this man but for some reason i cannot find it in my 10 pages of notes so he was on pressure for time which you know one should be when making a huge structure like that and he got it done in almost half the time Oh, that doesn't sound good. Oh, no. That sounds rushed, and that sounds worrisome. I do not trust that. Oh, yeah. So, there's a couple reasons why. There's three reasons. One, as you said, prohibition. So, in 1950, there was already talk about prohibition. So, they wanted to hurry up, build this, and make as much money through this as they possibly could before being shut down. So, that was one. Second... Soon as they started building, they went ahead and ordered their first ship for there. So the ship would come, this one uh, was coming from the Caribbean up to Boston. That's how much time they had from the time they, they, their first people got on the ground and started hammering, nailing, or whatever they did. <laughs> oh. So they had to beat the boat. Because if a boat can't offload by a specific time, they dump it in the ocean. Oh, shit. Yeah. That's super environmentally friendly. Yeah. So, yeah, 1919. So, yeah, they would just dump the whole load. So they would have paid already for it to come all the way up here and paid for the molasses. And then it just ended up being dumped into the ocean. So that was that was a big, you know, a big deal. Yeah, we saw how Britain handled that. <laughs> so, um... A lot of things have been put in the Boston uh, Harbor, you know? First, yeah. hey, but at least now it matches. First, they have the Boston Tea Party and they throw the tea in there. Now you have the molasses to go along with the tea. 
But um, just gotta sweeten it a little more. <laughs> so, and the third reason is the treasurer had a reputation to keep. You know, he was, he was. I, I don't want to say a celebrity, but those who knew him were like, oh, he, he, he was a respected, distinguished, yeah, member of the community. Yes. So if he said he was going to get it done, he was going to get it done splendidly, you know? And that was his way of doing it splendidly because it's just a big round thing is to get it done early. So they got it done just a little before the ship got there. And now I know what you're thinking. I bet you're thinking, but mom, they still had to test it to make sure it works, right? Is that what you're thinking? Gee, I bet they didn't have to actually do that, did they? Yes and no. So oh. an inspector did come in and they checked the foundation because it was so close to the harbor and make sure that it would uh, be able to hold this this big tank and stuff. And it passed. But the only other thing they did to see if it would hold, they put six to eight inches of water in it and said, yep, no leaks. Oh, my gosh. And then drained out the water for the ship to come in and, and put their stuff in. No. So why wasn't it fully inspected? Well, he wasn't paid off. The inspector was not paid off because that was the first thing I thought. Oh, they paid him off. Nope. See, there was a loophole at this time. And the loophole said that if a structure was called a receptacle, it could go with less inspection on it. So guess what they did? They called it a, re a receptacle. And back then, receptacles... I'm turning the page. Hold on. So the, res the, respect the receptacles... <laughs> The receptacles would hold things like natural gas, gasoline, molasses, petroleum products, raw materia, you know, things you would normally just, you know, throw in a bucket, you know? Sound pretty safe, right? Sure. <laughs> so, it it held the water of eight to six, uh, six to eight inches, so that's yeah, good. That's not even, like, comparable. Like, you're not even checking all of the walls. You're literally checking the bottom and a couple Very inches. Very little, yeah. Not even a quarter of the tank. So, problems start almost immediately, like within days. And remember, it's 1915 that it uh, got built. So, anytime molasses was added to it, it would make groaning sounds that people could hear from far distances away. So it's like, oh, they must be filling it up again. I mean, oh. it was it was heard for blocks and blocks. That doesn't sound right. Like that, oh, like. Just groaning, like metal groaning, you know? So. Like, like it's, there's too much pressure. And yes. like it's shifting mm -hmm. against itself. Mm-hmm. Yep. Got it. So, but that's not the biggest thing. The big thing was that within days of being built, it would leak so bad that the community around it would come over to get the free molasses. Oh, and it my wasn't, goodness. It wasn't like an occasionally that someone would sneak over there and get... No, it was a very opened, hey, I'm running out to get molasses, okay, and they knew right where you would be going. You know, it just, and it was a regular day that lots of people would do this. Children, of course, trying to get a quick little sweet and mothers for their baking and so yeah it was gathered by the community lots of times which you know back then sanitary i guess didn't mean much but 
because you you know you're just getting it off this container this cylinder whatever and just gathering it taking it home so yeah so how do you think they fix the problem with all the leaks Um, lots and lots and lots of leaks they probably just did little patches here and there if at all oh if only oh no they did less oh wait till you hear this any other guesses did they just not do anything well they did something some thing so the container was silver molasses is brown solution paint the damn container brown and people won't be able to see all the molasses dripping oh my goodness gracious seriously that is what they did they painted it brown this is why we have rules and regulations yes that yeah i bring that up later but yes because holy crap yep so in my notes it says it holds a max of 2.3 million gallons i'm not sure if that's right or if i misdid something it, it doesn't seem right to me but i could be totally wrong and i only found that in like one of the uh, references i was using so how many 2.3 million gallons mm, i'm not very good with it. i'm i'm not very good with measurement especially in my head it, it, i'm horrible so i don't know if that would fit into the per, permitter per, the measurement Within of the, the building the container. <laughs> yeah so okay so late 14th early 15th a vessel from cuba was offloading its molasses into the container and they put it in from the bottom and you know pushing everything else upward okay okay all right so on oh that january the the 14th 15th and i believe the 16th that had a very warm warm days it weirdly warm for for january in boston like are we talking record highs or lows for the time yeah it was uh 47 degrees between 45 47 degrees and in boston i don't know if you know but it is freaking cold in the winter lots of snow 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 so yeah there's like no snow out uh it's warm people are opening up windows they're not even really wearing much jackets you know they're used to having this freezing snow that's been going on and then poof sunny bright warm so everyone's out and about excuse me so the vessel from cuba uh they offload six hundred thousand gallons of molasses okay so they're putting in this new molasses below like i said they fill it from the bottom uh underneath this cold molasses and they get it two inches from the top the container had actually never been filled that high And the whole time it had been built to this point, not even close. It'd be like maybe a little over halfway, but it's so it's the first time it's ever been to the very, very tippity top. So I have a bad feeling about this. Oh, yeah. So around 1230, uh, that January 15th, it's lunchtime. Patrolman Frank McManus, you know, he's out doing his patrols. That's his area is, is around there. and. Back then, they don't have, of course, cell phones or anything, but they have what's called call boxes. And they're like these little box, blue plastic boxes, and you open it up and there's a phone inside. And you just, you know, lift it up. And I don't remember if he has to do the whole 
winded up thing or not, or he just picks it up and talks. I don't remember that part. So he's on his patrol and he's doing his usual, you know, every so often stopping and reporting in. Nothing from here to here. And at that time, Martin Clarity is asleep in his two-story house. Um, He lives with his mom and his two siblings. So he was asleep because he's known in town as a boxer and a referee for other boxes, uh, boxing matches. So he had been boxing and working as a referee the night before. So he was in bed, you know, asleep. Okay. I also like being in bed and sleep. <laughs> I'll try to make it as fast as I can so you can go to bed and sleep. <laughs> so, little Anthony. I say little, but he's probably about 13, probably 12. Okay. He and his sister are walking home from school to have lunch at home. Apparently, this is something you could do when you're a little kid. Walk home for lunch. It was a different world back then. Yeah, definitely. So, they're walking home for lunch. And all of these three are within 500 feet of the container. When all of a sudden, them and other survivors hear what they said sound like a machine gun. Dot, 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 dot. Okay? Okay. That sounds like bolts popping. Exactly. It's rivets. Yep. Oh, crap. So they said that there's tons and tons. At this time, the patrolman is on one of the call boxes. He hears the noise. He, he, uh... Felt like what he what was liquid. He thought it was mud, and he turns around to see a full explosion, uh, of the container, because molasses is already spitting out with the the bolts when they go flying. So he's right. he's hit with with some of it, and he thinks, oh, somebody just threw mud at me, and turns around and sees the explosion, and he takes off. Understandable, good good man. He knows what he's about. <laughs> Get the crap out of there. So needs to chest, needs to chest, my man. <laughs> so it is said that uh, a wave of molasses comes and hits the Clordy house at thirty-five miles an hour, and they believe the wave was forty feet or two stories high, and it completely knocks off some uh, a few houses, and his is one of them. The house is just pretty much in pieces. Um, it was the, the force of the wave and how big the wave was, uh, it eventually, it had moved the, the firehouse that was also like right there, like across the street, but on the harbor side, it Uh had moved it 10 feet, almost into the harbor. Oh my gosh. Yes. Now granted, buildings aren't made the same, but it was still a, you know, a big- Right? They can't even make a container that holds molasses right. And they're making apartments and houses and boats and things. But still, I I would think that, you know, a firehouse would have a little more structure and stuff. But it, it, it just pushed it right off of its foundation and moved it, you know. It also crumbled, but it moved it 10 feet, you know. And it right. crumbled as it was moving it. Oh my goodness. The amount of force. Like, I've seen a video of, like, a dam being opened after being closed for so long and the amount of pressure that water can have i can't even imagine molasses like what would that do how does that change that's that's another rough day (laughs) yeah it would i mean it'd be bad enough with water but molasses everything's sticky and you never get rid of the sticky just pack up don't don't even pack up anything just 
leave the city. Leave your things. You're never going to get them clean. Just start a whole new life. If you survive, you and your family survived. If if you survived. So, uh, Patrolman McManus, he somehow he runs and barely escapes the the uh, the flooding wave of molasses. It's like almost at his heels, but he outruns it because he kind of knows the terrain. So he goes where the um the land goes more of an incline. Right. So, so, so that he's way then- going he's going up. So yeah. he's, he's getting higher and higher. So but uh, he runs to the nearest uh call box and he says send everything you've got the um, whatever container molasses uh, the purity whatever container it has exploded there's molasses everywhere send everything everybody and he hangs up and then he goes to start trying to help morton clarity you know he was in his bed so he starts to come awake and he's dreaming that he's floating on a raft in the ocean and then he fully wakes up and he's still swashing around he realizes he's in his bed and sees the lake of of molasses that's around him his bed and mattress served as like a little raft a little boat for him so <laughs> imagine waking up and your house is gone and there's all this brown sticky stuff everywhere that's not even like a situation where you can be like all right you know what this day's over i'm going back to bed you literally cannot <laughs> well actually he could the bed was fine Nah, it's sticky <laughs> well but um yeah i guess on the sides but i mean he himself he's just on the bed it's just floating on top you know right so uh his house has collapsed he's floating he finds his two siblings and he's able to rescue them, and he pulls them onto his bed. And they, you know, stay there until things start settling down and they can get rescued. However, they don't find his mom. His mom passes away. She's swept away in, in the uh, molasses. She is found sometime, her body is found sometime later. So, Anthony, little boy Anthony. So, he and his sister, you know, they heard and saw the explosion. So they take off, and they end up splitting up. She goes one way, he goes another. And he says that he is hit, and it felt like a a football player had just came along behind him and hit him and knocked him down. And he breaks two teeth instantly from that. Ooh. And he, he bumps his head, he's hurt. Ouch, yeah. I can and imagine. Just, just, mm. Hang on, I have to take a moment for the teeth thing, because, like... <laughs> Ouch. Owie. Like, just the <laughs> clack hurts. Oh, my goodness. So, he grabs on to a light post. And and he's holding on this light post. Um, He looks over and he sees his house. And he sees his mom looking out the window from the second store, or second floor. And she's looking and watching, you know, all this go on and this molasses uh, running down the road and people. And, and she even... uh. She says later that, yeah, she sees this boy that's on this, hanging onto the post, you know, but he's not making a sound or nothing. He just, he's just on the post. She had no idea it was her son. Oh my gosh. And he can't scream because he's covered in molasses. And it's, un- unlike water, you just, you know, can kind of swallow it out of your mouth or spit it out in your nose or whatever. You can't do that with molasses. It's oh my clogged goodness. in there. It's like, oh. Uh... So 
he, you know, he's having trouble breathing. He can breathe, but he's having trouble. He cannot talk. And he, he holds on for as, as long as he can. And then he, he eventually falls back into the molasses, tired, exhausted, in pain. He just kind of just falls unconscious into the molasses. It is said that the molasses is so thick and and everywhere that they can't tell the difference between um men and horses. They couldn't tell if there was animal or human because half of them serious? half of them would be half of their bodies would be in in the molasses and the others the upper part sticking up. So it could be the front of horse legs or human arms waving around. And of course ne- none of them can speak because they have molasses everywhere. Right. Oh my goodness. And the more people and animals struggled, the more stuck they would get. And for the horses, they just would keep wiggling and keep going. You know, they were freaking out. So a lot of horses died. I don't have the number, but I, uh, several, several horses died. I feel like it would act a lot like quicksand. Yes. Because yes. of how viscous it is. Yep. So the hospitals even had trouble telling man, woman, child, gender. It was, you know, African-American, white, Irish. They had no idea of gender or race because everyone's covered in molasses. They couldn't tell if it was a like an older lady or a small lady or child. Nothing. Nothing. Couldn't tell. Right. Because molasses isn't syrup. Syrup comes from molasses. Right, right, right. And syrup is already very thick, and molasses is, like... Really super thick. Really thick. So, back to Anthony now. Um, Anthony has older sisters, and his sisters start going out and looking for them. You know, they're going around their area, and then they go to the hospitals, and then they eventually go out to the morgues. Right. And uh, somebody working at one of the morgues thinks that kind of it fits the description of one of the people they have there. Again, it's hard to tell. And this isn't even the same day. It's like a day or two after this happens. So they go to this bed, and of course they have the white sheets over them. And they pull the sheet back, and the sisters know immediately, yep, that's that's their brother. And as soon as they stop thinking or stop talking like that, an eye opens up. He's not dead. Oh my gosh. One eye opens up, and then it closes, and then it opens up again. So they rush him to the hospital where he he is for several days. Oh my gosh. I yeah. can't believe that's so, amazing. That's incredible. Yeah, he's lucky too. Right? They didn't bury him or anything, but and the, his sisters, you know, were looking and so yeah. So I think he, this may be around the time that uh uh what do you call him? Uh crap. Cemetery bells were popular. Oh yeah, I think so. I think so. Because so many people would be buried alive still or had their whatever yeah okay or think that people are vampires that's another thing about uh people thinking of vampires is because they rose from the dead right so anthony tells uh the news or the yeah i guess the newspapers because not really news there's no tv and people his story and he tells them about how a police officer picks him up and puts him into this wagging wagging wagon with three other dead bodies but he is so tired so exhausted he he can't really move 
and again, still can't speak, that he doesn't say anything. He doesn't try to grab anything. He just lays there. You just know, try to he, continue recouping. Yeah. I mean, you get tired swimming in a swimming pool. Imagine a thing of molasses. Right. You're fighting against it. Yeah. And then the things, the obstacles that come with it. Yep. Or that it goes through. Mm-hmm. Hitting other trees and other debris and everything. Yeah. So, a few days later, they do find his sister's body. She was killed when the wave hit the tracks and part of the tracks crumbled down and landed on over top of her. Oh, her and wow. a few other people were killed that way. And he spent a lot of his, uh, Anthony spent a lot of his life, of course, having guilt about he survived, his sister didn't. If only he would have grabbed her hand or made her come with him, you know, his way instead of separating. But That's so he hard. barely survived and he was on his own. What, you know, I, I don't know how he could have helped his sister, but I understand he, why a little boy would feel that way, you know, if only. Mm-hmm. So, so there's a, a quote that I'm going to read for you real quick okay. by one of the people, the um, volunteers. It, can you hear me okay? Yes. Okay, because I'm reading from the page and I'm kind of sideways. It says, here and there struggled a form, whether it was animal or human, whether it was animal or human being, it was impossible to tell. Another part of it says, horses died like so many flies on sticky flypaper. The more they struggled, the deeper in the mess they were ensnared. Okay, so I I was imagining like the, the sticky paper like talking about the animal or human and the thrashing i'm like yeah it makes me think of like one of those sticky rat traps which are super inhumane to say yes it's it's absolutely heartbreaking yes um like, there is there is a, a part here that i really really like and i want to share of course the quote for a dime i just gotta think it's back in that time it's back in that time but the red cross was right by there and it was mainly done by women, because remember, it was the end of World War One, so all the men were off fighting in the war. So the Red Cross was mainly women, and the women all came out, and they were highly praised. Here's the quote. They plunged into the molasses, knee-deep, without any worry about their own personal comfort and clothing. No shit. But that was like, oh, a girl, did, a woman did that? So, I mean, the... The remark is kind of offensive for nowadays, but I got to think of it in terms of then, you know, at least they're giving the women credit for it. Yeah, but still like. But yeah, and it was one of the, the first time that a lot of people actually saw what the Red Cross did and what these women did. So it was also a big deal. You know, it was all over papers and things. So it was a big deal. So that's why I wanted to talk about it. Um, I have my interesting fact. Okay, love interesting facts. Okay, so guess what also was going on during this time? They uh, themselves were going through a pandemic. Oh my goodness. Do you know what it was? I think it was some kind of flu. Yep, the Spanish flu. Was it that? You're right. So yeah, they were in a pandemic. So I just thought it was a cute little tie-in with us. You know what I mean? I'm not sure cute's exactly the perfect Well, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but I understand what you mean. 
I'm sorry. You're right. Cute is probably not the right word. Oh. Yeah. Did you boy. feel too cute? No, not when I was <laughs> sick. So, <laughs> so they cleaned up the molasses by um, using sand and uh, uh, the salt water and from the sea and everything. And okay. Well, let me just you know. Maybe this isn't exactly the right time, but if you're going to throw a powder and salted water, you may as well make that powder like baking soda or flour. Like, I don't know, maybe I'm thinking too much like the people from there. <laughs> yeah, they, funny. there was so much molasses that anybody that had a basement, it was completely filled. So, um, yeah, they were, uh, they also brushed it out into the, the harbor and the sea and it says the harbor was brown for two and a half months. Oh my gosh. Just imagine like the ecosystem in the harbor. And it took 87,000 working hours to get it all cleaned up. And for months afterwards, even I though bet it, it smelled. Happened, Is that it? Sorry. Well, I, I was going to get there, but um, even though it happened in the north part of Boston in this area, you know, it, it's small compared to the rest of Boston, even then. Okay. But because people were coming from all over to help with the rescue and the cleanup and everything and the rebuild, when they left the area to go home for the night, all of Boston ended up being sticky in places. You could go if you went on the subway oh. or they said it was coming out of the phones and the what sewers they had and it was molasses- Everywhere for months. So all of Boston was sticky. Oh, I would have been so pissed. Seth would have lost his mind. Seth hates being sticky. Yeah, it was, it was everywhere. I mean, imagine picking up a phone and it just dribbles out. Oh. I, yeah. And like I said, basements that were by there were filled, were completely filled. And so, yeah. And yeah, no, I would just be like, all right, I'm, I'm leaving. Goodbye. <laughs> I'm so, finding a new town that doesn't have molasses. And it's funny you brought up the smell because there is a myth that says you can smell it to this day. However, the way that came about is because for years you could smell it. Really? But after, you know, after a while, it you couldn't smell it anymore. So, like, if we went there, we would not be able to smell it, you know. But, uh, yeah, for years and years afterwards, they said you could smell uh, the molasses. I believe it. Because, I mean, I feel like even if you got it cleaned up, you, you still don't have it cleaned up. Right. I feel like, like even if you bulldozed it right off, the, you know, right the top, bulldozed everything that the wave had touched, that it still would have seeped into the ground and and foundations and things like that. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So. So. Someone in Boston is going to go through grandma's attic and find an old jar that has i almost said mayo but that's not <laughs> what we're talking about nope uh an old jar from the 1900s labeled uh fuck it's not syrup what's it called molasses <laughs> so what all happened why did it explode all these different little things so when they put in the molasses into the container. I said there was already some molasses in there. Right. I also said that before then, it was super, super cold. So, to get the molasses from the ship to the container, 
you have to warm it up some. So the molasses is coming in and it's coming in from the bottom and pushing the cold stuff up. Well, that cold, really cold molasses is denser than the hot stuff. You know, the, the, the hot warm stuff is really, really more liquidy. I mean, it's still molasses. So, you know, but it's, it's liquidy. Whereas the other cold molasses is really almost solid. Right. It's like, just to use it again, it's like quicksand. Right. So it, well, that's, I guess that's a bad, but like, yeah, it's hard. It's difficult to move. It's more of a, uh, what was the word I was going to say? Never mind. I just cut that out. <laughs> so when the, the cold molasses and the hot molasses came together, it started to form, to, um, fermentation. I think that's the word. It started Say to form it. Form it? Fermentation? For, for fermentation. Fermentation. Yes. Thank you. Can't even read my own spelling. <laughs> and I copied it right from the from the documentaries and stuff, so I got it right. So, um, and when that happened, pressure and gases started building. So the top layer was like almost a lid, right? You know? it, it, and it kind of it sounds like it became its own pressure cooker in a exactly. way. Exactly. Yes. So they, of course, not knowing a lot of a guess about scientists or whatever, you know, especially the workers there, you know, they didn't know. They just put it in, take it out end of story but other people i would think would have known in the company you know and and warned them either or it happened and all the stuff that we had talked about earlier is only half of the stuff that went on about getting it done early and and not having it inspected or anything because if it was inspected a lot of things would have been able to be found for instance not enough vents to let the pressure and gases out of the container. That Did was number one. Did it have any vents? I believe there was one small vent, but it was not near the the right amount that it should have had. Right. So they also found out that by the standards of that year, that it was not uh, it was not up to standards, even considered for the nineteen nineteen. It was a half inch. Uh, uh, thick. Uh, let me try this again. The the tank plates on the lower and the second uh, second half or second course or whatever they were uh, too weak to even contain such a volume of molasses that they would have said uh, no. So I don't even know if they knew the inspectors knew exactly what was going in in there. But again, they didn't really ask either. Right. But it would not have held it. Even by their standards, they would have said, um, no. (laughs) And it was so poorly put together that it, um, the rivets just couldn't hold it. So the rivets just popped. This is why we have regulations. This is why we have proper inspections. So out of question, I was wondering, I had a trivia for you. Okay. Okay. What other structure... Of poor quality rivets. Oh, I can already tell you this. I was going to bring it up a second ago. I was thinking about it. And steel used was partly to blame for a big, well-known disaster. And I have two hints. Oh, I don't even need the hints. You're talking about the Titanic. Yep. That they those, found- those babies, they weren't the right material and they weren't like pure enough of the right material. And so when they froze, they just popped. Yep. Very good. I'm so proud of you. <laughs> That's exactly right. Yeah, my hint was the construction 
of this structure was many years prior to this incident and the and then the last one was the disaster happened in 1912 and that would have been a dead giveaway right but yeah i'm very proud of you (laughs) so sorry i hope i didn't take your thunder (laughs) no i'm very i'm very proud that you remembered oh yeah so what do you think the company said when this incident happened what do you think the company did uh it wasn't us it was somebody else sue them bing 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 although the suing part wasn't right oh but i feel yes. like suing people is the most american thing ever oh i'm getting to that too just wait oh good um so the company tried to say that at one point maybe it was the germans because remember they just oh. got out of world war one and that it also could have been anarchists because they're making molasses for alcohol and prohibition is starting so they have already gotten threats that they were going to blow it up and and things like that so they're like oh it was anarchists and also part of their reasoning is that if they can prove that the disaster came from the outside Mm -hmm. then it's not their fault so yeah the investigation very quickly found out all the stuff we had talked about before about being rushed, not uh, being properly inspected. Um, one of the things that did change is that stupid loophole for if it's a if it's called a receptacle that it doesn't need to be properly inspected. So right. that that loophole just tossed right out the window. Good, but not the the good thing about that is, of course, it was national headlines. I mean, people. Don't usually drown in molasses, you know. So yeah. the whole country all, you know, had stories about it and they all were reading and they were all interested in it. And when several cities found out about these these guidelines, they also were going by that little loophole. Once this happened and the article came out about, you know, uh, you know this whole thing, cities started across the nation changing and getting rid of that loophole. Good. So that was, you know, a lot of these tragedies, usually something good happens or change happens. Yeah. Unfortunately, it's a bad thing that has to happen in order for it to change. Exactly. You can't learn from your mistakes if you don't have mistakes. Right. Yeah. So the tank was half as thick as it should have been. No safety tests were ever done. It was consisted of brittle um, manganese. I, I don't know what that meant, but. That's one of the notes I have. <laughs> it's brittle, so that means that it's going to crack more easily yeah. or chip more easily. So you had mentioned something about suing. Yes. You could actually go and see the court records of this, but I'll wait for the ferret to get comfy. Stop making a noise. His bedding is crinkly. Right. He's looking at me through his tunnel. He stuck out his nose like, are you talking about me? Cute. Now I want to pet my kitty. She's not in petting distance. <laughs> okay, so 119 lawsuits were formed because of this from the families of the people who died. There was Only 20, 119? Um, it was 21 people confirmed dead and over 100 injured. So 119, the company was found to be at fault. It was one of the first lawsuits ever made in Boston. So before this, there wasn't really any 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 lawsuits before until this. So first lawsuits in Boston, and 
I have two different uh judgments that came down. One of them says six thousand per family um who lost somebody if you had more than than one family member that died you you wouldn't get any more. you just got the six, but then I have another one that said it was seven thousand and it was per, per person, death. yeah, so but I thought the the first lawsuit thing was yeah, that's really neat, like and not was, in a good way. Right. And it was the first time that uh, uh, it was ever, they made them pay. Good. I thought I wrote down what it would be in like our standards now. Mm-hmm. You know, like it was 7000 then, but in today's money, it's like 50000 or something. Yeah. Now I have to, now I have to Google it. Yeah, Google it real quick. Uh, let's go 6000 Oh, wow. Okay. Jeez. Okay, so this says $6,000 in 1919 is equivalent in purchasing power to about $96,694, sorry, $96,694.34. Wow. So for back then, that was a lot of money then, you know, especially because it was a small community. They were mainly uh, immigrants, Irish immigrants and stuff, so... I mean, it was a pretty decent amount of money, but still, you know, lives were lost, you know? Yeah, like, you can't really put a, a price, price on a yeah. life. Yes. So now, um, in place of where the tank actually stood, that whole area is a park. And um, right where this uh, the tank was is a baseball diamond. And there's a little, like, half wall with a little plaque on it, you know, as a memorial for the 21 people that had died in the flood. Okay. I was kind of wondering if there were going to be, like, a maple tree in the center. I'm not sure if that would be good or bad. Yeah, I know. I'm like, I really hoped they didn't, but, like, it seems kind of, it seems very American. A tragedy happened here. Quick, cover it up and put a baseball field on top of it. That does sound very American. Anyway, thanks for tuning in. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. I was, um, <laughs> I'm looking to make sure I got everything. No, I So, okay. Good. Go ahead and uh, look at the, the pictures. Okay. One of oh them my you have gosh. To, one of them you have to actually click on to see the picture, but it is just the picture, I promise. It's nothing else. The, the blue. Because for some reason it didn't actually show up. You have to click on it. 2,300,000 gallons of molasses. 50 feet high, sweeps everything before it. Which and then picture? right underneath, you've got 35 states on dry law list. Oh, that's it. That's what I was going to show you or tell you about. If you look, um, you know, that's the main article, you know, is the molasses flood. But right next to it, it talks about the prohibition. Yeah. So 35 of the states had already got started the prohibition. On this... uh newspaper clipping here it's got some parts where it actually points out what buildings are what but i can't quite see them yeah neither could i i'm sure there's a way to blow it up but i'm not that tech savvy but yeah did you see the other pictures yeah it's just they're it's just wiped out everything is i like the washed colored. away and flattened i like the, the the image that it's black and white on one side and then color on the other yeah that's incredible and then the bottom one, you can see the tower in the background. Yeah, that's a huge tower. Like, that's bigger than one of those 
Like, those are what you see, what do you call them, the stacks? Uh-huh. Kind of like thing? Yeah, or some of the oil refineries or whatever, the big, you know. Yeah. But yeah, and that's from a distance away, too. I've always been intrigued with this. I was going to do it for the last season, but other stuff kept coming up or other stories that I wanted to touch on. Well, this was a really interesting story because you don't hear about molasses floods often. As far as I know, this is the only molasses flood that I know of in history. But I just, I thought it was very, what? (laughs) You know, (laughs) sounds like something uh, somebody made up, I swear. Yeah, no, I totally feel that. So what'd you think? It was very good. Very well presented. Thank you. I was very excited. So I hope uh, it's not too long for you. I think we did great. So I thought it would make you mad in a few uh, few times. Oh my goodness, yes. I was you waiting for you to the really go off. Right? No. Okay. Good. Okay. Okay. Uh, I I was I was wondering, you know, if if you were going to start yelling and throwing things. <laughs> well, a part of it is too was like I work in a place where we do orders for the government, and like I I see inspections, and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is literally killing me right now. So do you got a. a- I don't want to say favorite part because it's all sad and depressing. Yeah, a part that I found most intriguing. Yes, but gee, don't don't say it all <laughs> at once now. <laughs> you did hear the story, right? Yes, I know. I'm thinking because I'm like, my first thought was, okay, so she sees this boy and he's hanging onto a pole, and then he lets go and he's just laying there, and she's like, oh, well, better continue on with my day. But I guess you're saying he like got swept away. Yes. Yeah. Got he it. Felt, like the current pulled him down. off yeah. of the. Well, he fell off because he was so exhausted and tired and he lost consciousness for a little bit. And when he did, he fell into the molasses and it was still moving. So it moved him and carried him away. Right. Just all these, you know, it's never just one thing for some of these disasters. Mm-hmm. It's always a combination of things. A bunch of little things can ruin a big thing. Yeah. A bunch I mean, of little problems can really add up quickly. I mean, what if they did fill up the whole tank with the water? Now, granted, it might not have started leaking like it would the molasses, but maybe the noise of it filling could have warned them, hey, this is just water. What's it going to sound like with molasses? Or yeah, or that the they kind of were cheapy on the materials, mm-hmm. so they used not-so-great materials. And when you're in a rush, you make mistakes. Oh, yeah. And something about rivets. You know, from now on, if there's an engineering disaster or whatever, the first thing I'm going to look into is, were rivets involved? (laughs) Because the Titanic, this story, um, my story last week about the plane. Yeah, the rivets. They're rivets, yep. So, rivets, bad. (laughs) We've just stumbled upon the government conspiracy. (laughs) Shh. Don't tell anybody. Don't tell anybody. About the conspiracy. (laughs) (laughs) All right. You have any questions or anything? Nope. Not at the moment. Of course, once we stop recording in the next two days from now, you'll have some, right? That's exactly what I was just thinking. (laughs) All right. Well, I hope you enjoyed it. I did. I had a lot of fun, question mark. (laughs) Yeah. I get what you're saying. You enjoyed the story. You're sad that it was a sad story. Yeah. I'm sad about the losses of life. Right. Thank you all for tuning in. 
Thank you for listening to my mom's podcast, What Didn't Kill Me. You can find us at whatdidn'tkillme.club. You can also find links from our social media there as well. And remember, What Didn't Kill Me makes a great podcast. Bye. Bye, everyone.